1: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the directors, writers, and stars of the new film, The Beta Test, Jim Cummings and PJ McCabe.
2: What are we doing here?
3: A couple of weeks ago, I got a letter in the mail inviting me to a no-strings-attached sexual encounter in a hotel room. It's pretty card, looked official. I don't know. I was stupid. I went. What, dude? This is nuts. I'd wear a blindfold, but the woman—I <laughs> can't even tell you.
2: Wait, wait, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. wait! What's going on here? Hold on. Wait, this is really happening? You really did this?
3: In this climate? Honey, is anything going on? We're getting married in like six weeks. If anything were going on, I'd let you
0: know.
2: Now I'm suspicious of everyone. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's my wife. People are so terrified of stepping out of line. Consequences won't go away anymore.
3: Come on, Jacqueline. Was I taken off of the email chain with Marvel? This is a failure. I can't use the language that I'd like to use to you right now because of the new direction that the agency and the country is going. I'm fine. Everything's great with me. This isn't a midlife crisis. I'll let you know when I'm having one of those. (laughs) Hey, Jacqueline, perfect timing. So how are you going to come in tomorrow? Let's call today a wash, okay? How are you going to look tomorrow when you come in? are you going to convince me
1: today that you're better at your job tomorrow? Jacqueline.
2: I think maybe now is a good time we all take a break and, and reassess what it is we're doing here.
1: Um, so I want to first start off by asking you guys that, um, you know, the audience for television is so much larger than independent film nowadays. <laughs> How long do you want to keep on making work that no one is seeing? <laughs> I'm totally playing. I'm totally playing. But Dude, that line, that line my is favorite hilarious. lines
3: in the movie. It's such a great fuck you, because everybody who's watching the movie is watching an independent film. It's yep, amazing. Yep. It's so
1: good. But in all seriousness, though, I want to actually first start off by asking, uh, the movie opens up with this really, really grisly, brutal uh, murder. And it plays almost like a horror film. And yep. uh, se- separate from the ending of the film, it feels like it's almost like totally at odds with everything else. So can you talk about the creative decision to start the film in such an exciting manner?
3: Zodiac does it worse, uh, Zodiac, uh, I'll, I'll say that. They, they, like Nobody told us no, uh, but Zodiac does it worse. Uh, so does Suspiria. I think really like having this thing be this graphic punch to the audience of forcing them to pay attention, mm-hmm. it becomes this pressure cooker for the rest of the film where they're nervous that something else might happen like that. Yeah. And it does occasionally, the 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 murder with a vape, the murder suicide with a vape is like a little bit more subtle, um, but still just as graphic. But the shooting um, is pretty graphic, but really it's just to keep the tension up that this is the possible scenario that could happen if you commit adultery. And,
2: yeah. uh, and assuming that's what's going to happen to Jordan at some point, you're like, yeah. I mean, obviously he's going to meet a grisly demise at some point here. And uh, yeah, just kind of keeping the audience on board.
3: I think it's very funny where like you open the movie and it's like, oh, this is going to be like another Jim Cummings comedy. And then to open it with this like Swedish murder scene, people are like, are we in the right movie? Like, That's what, what I is- was thinking the first time I saw it, honestly.
1: <laughs> uh, but I but I like that, though. I really like that it. it kept me on my toes throughout. It really put me in the character, Jordan Hines's, uh perspective of just paranoia, not knowing when something was going to uh, come from around the corner and bite him cool. in the ass the other thing I wanted to ask too, is that uh, you guys are obviously uh, having a commentary here on the current state of the movie industry. And, uh, you know, the way that the, uh, (laughs) the way that the office setting is kind of like set up and some of the conversations that are had in there, how much of that is firsthand experience and how much of that is stories that you've heard from other people over the years?
3: So PJ and I have only been invited into the agency world a couple of times, or or rather the offices a couple of times. Yeah. Um, And it's always interesting. It feels like the Death Star. It feels like you're being brought into the Death Star a bit. It's very strange. It's intense. Um, It's intense. (laughs) Uh, and the power dynamics are very present every time that you're there. It's very scary. It feels like above the line, below the line, kind of scary stuff. Um, It never feels comfortable. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. you're never
2: in there relaxing. It's very on edge.
3: Then we had a bunch of people reach out to me through social media when I said that I was making a movie about this and that I was interested in interviewing people to get it right, Um, and we had all these phone calls and meetings and coffees with folks from that world during that time of the WGA packaging fight. Um, and like, the, the str- I mean, it was the biggest fight in Hollywood history and it could have gone the other way. The, the mm-hmm. powers that be could have completely taken over the industry and the Writers Guild had no business fighting this war, but they did. And I'm glad that they did. Um, so we had all these interviews with people and they provided all the testimony of like that stuff, uh, not just like, um, you know, the stress that was happening in the world that we kind of document in the film, but also the language of like, it's exciting, I'm excited. Let's keep talking, let's circle back. Like all of that corporate double speak that doesn't mean anything, we tried mm-hmm. to fit into the film as much as possible. But then also like the, the, the power dynamics and the stress of being an assistant versus being someone who's like slightly better regarded in the, on the floor, in the office, um, all of that stuff we tried to fit in and nail because it was important to, if you're making a joke about these people, you gotta make sure that you're accurate.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's only funny if it's, if it's really happening, <laughs> like it makes it way makes the jokes
1: and the stakes way more impactful. Uh, so it had to be real.
3: It's a bigger fuck you if you nail it.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Um, <laughs> I'm curious to know because anytime I talk to uh director pairings, uh, I'm always interested in understanding how does it work on set? If the two of you are separated because is it ever possible that somebody could come up to one of you, ask a question and get a different answer from the other, or are your mind's just so completely in sync that you, you, it doesn't matter if you're together or if you're apart on set for answering questions for people.
3: It's rarely an actor. It's never an actor that comes up to just one of us. They realize mm-hmm. the dynamic. It was like, okay, well, I need an answer from both of these people, the mind hive. Um, and then, It's usually someone where like I'm having to memorize lines. Someone will come up to PJ and be like, "Which gun do you want to use for this scene?" And he has the the right answer. Yeah, which painting
2: are we using or something?
3: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's like it, it becomes this kind of simple putting out of fires a thousand times a day. And there are times when we're able to workshop things, but all of it's done beforehand. Like we, PJ and I, do so much prep before we make the movie. We've recorded it as a podcast. Like we've put in the music and the sound design. Everybody heard it when they show up on set, the cast and crew, um, all the producers, all the financers. So it's like the movie's already done in audio form. We just have to execute it. So Really, the decision making is done in the writing the writing process between PJ and me.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, we're very lucky. We do have very similar kind of ideas and senses of humor and tendencies. And we just, I don't know, there is a sense of trust that you have to have. And, you know, we trust the other person to be like, Yeah, you're probably right. Okay. Let's do
1: that.
3: Especially <laughs> yeah. when I'm acting and I'm doing a bad job. And he's like, That's not gonna yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, right. oh fuck, I thought I was doing good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Love that. I, I, you mentioned the music before. Uh, can you talk about the use of classical music in the movie and yeah. what kind of a feeling you wanted to evoke by using that? Yeah,
3: yeah. So uh, it was difficult. I mean, music is a difficult thing because it's got to be good. It can't. It can't be shitty. It can't be phoned in. Um, and so uh, my partner Julia, my fiance, found this platform, APM <laughs> Music which is an incredible platform. that has hundreds of thousands of songs with all these different stems. And the rule is it's contract-based. So you can buy like a contract of using all of the music however you want to. You can slow it down, you can doctor it, you can do whatever you want. And as soon as we found out we could do that, it was like, cool, we get to build the score kind of from scratch from all of these different classical tracks and stuff. Hmm but the classical music was just so funny to us when we incorporated it into early scenes in the edit, where it was like, oh, it has this kind of pomp and circumstance to it that makes it feel like this glamorous- Beautiful, uh, ornate, very, yeah, very proper. Yeah. That that is that world. And then, you know, towards the end of the film, it becomes this like Aphex twin, slowed down, spooky, big, like EDM kind of music and Mm -hmm. it's horrifying. And so, yeah, I mean, part of it is just like us- finding these songs that work. Like the, the opening title sequence is um, is Summer by, I think it's Vivaldi, Vivaldi but it's played yeah. as forte as possible. Just like the most like, and as it becomes this like, oh my God, what am I watching right now? And it was making us laugh. And it was like, this is so big and terrifying and cool. It is the movie. And so we decided to use it. <laughs> And also, I mean, we also
2: took a lot, though, and tweaked it, you know, like slowing stuff down Mm -hmm. and, you know, taking these classical pieces, but then also, you know, putting it through, you know, our filters.
3: Filters, yeah. Yeah,
2: and our our technology we have with modern computers, which was very much speaking to the movie of the modern age of the internet, taking a classical idea like a letter service, warping it. (laughs) <laughs> to, to, to this.
3: One. Matt, it, it, it took it took 16 days. months to edit the movie, and so much of That's it was a like, long time. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's like, we shot it in 17 days, and then it took 16 months to edit to, like, make it what it is today. Yeah. I'm always amazed by that whenever I hear how short a production uh, shoot itself
1: can be, but then obviously pre and post is where the real time always lies. <laughs> I gotta ask this question, okay. Um, Uh-oh. I, I swear, at one point in the movie, and I could be wrong, I think I glanced... Uh, that Ted Sarandos has Venmo in the movie. So I'm curious to know, in doing your research, who else did you discover has Venmo?
3: Um, Many different television executives. So... Uh it's, it's people that you can search on LinkedIn who are power players. And I would suggest mm-hmm. doing that. Like really what's funny is um, we, we like shared that little teaser that went out with Berlin Ali and it has that moment of showing Ted Sarandos his private Venmo <laughs> account which he's had to change because oh, people, no. people have been requesting two cents. be like, hey, I want your two cents on the trailer for the beta test. Um, <laughs> and people are like screen grabbing it and tweeting it at me. Um, but no, I, I like sent that to a, a, an agent buddy of mine and I was like, mm-hmm. this is brilliant. How did I not think of doing this years ago? I was like, you guys are fucking assholes. Like you're abusing privacy, like violating privacy. like all of that stuff was just so interesting to us but pj and i had that idea a couple of years ago yeah. of like reaching out to ted and a couple other people to be like hey i want your two cents on my movie would you would you give me two cents you're a billionaire is it okay yeah, of course <laughs>
1: Jeffrey Bezos, what are you up to right now?
3: <laughs> I think uh, Jeff, Jeff, I don't know, is on the platform. I know Reed Hastings was, who's the did, did CEO. Like Bill, didn't Bill Gates have one? Or, oh Bill Gates God. did, and then he got outed for it and then had to stop. Yeah. But yeah, wow. it, it's weird, like that kind of data stuff that even the brilliant billionaires don't, you know, they haven't protected themselves from.
2: Yeah, they still just put their name up, not thinking like people are gonna search you on Venmo, which is funny.
3: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: And that's another theme of the movie, too, is uh, this idea of data mining and targeting people and how things that we take for granted are suddenly being used. Uh, What we think is usually helpful. I mean, every now and then I'll get a targeted ad where I'm like, oh, I need that. But then sometimes you get something that you are wondering, wow, am I being watched right now? Is this really uh, is there any kind of malicious intent behind this? So can you talk a little bit about your own personal views on where technology has brought us today in terms of uh, data targeting and whether or not, if you think it's getting better, becoming worse.
3: I mean, the fact that we're talking about it right now means that it's becoming much more of a, you know, conversation piece rather than Mm -hmm. um, something that nobody knows about. And they're just a victim of it is really scary when it becomes political. um, There's a great documentary by, um, Uh, It's it's about Stuxnet. It's called um, Zero Days. Um, And it's about that process of like how to use the internet as a weapon and that, you know, cyber warfare is a real thing. And so when it's used for altering an election, um, it can be very frightening and actually affect uh, the course of human existence in, in a scary way. Most of the time when I get a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad, it's like, hey, do you want this cowboy bebop jacket? And I'm like, yes, I do. That sounds, <laughs> yeah. that sounds great. I do want that. Um, do you but want the, no, I, I think, the I think, ring sword? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I think <laughs> the, but
1: I think the awareness piece that you were mentioning before, the fact that we actually know what this is, that what the intent behind it is, people are becoming more wise to it. And thus, um, I think people are starting to yeah. develop ways to counteract it.
3: Yep. Yeah, by, by installing ad blocker, by, mm-hmm. I mean, using a VPN, like there's a thousand different things that you can do to protect yourself from data misuse. And I think that's just, uh, you know, like crossing the streets, like having a seatbelt. It's like all of these things that um, the humanity has to adapt towards that we're just slow moving because these giant corporations own us and they are um, abusing as much as possible.
2: I think it's a double-edged sword yeah putting all your tendencies on the internet i mean you kind of get the good with the bad but like somebody i guess that's kind of the point of beta is like somebody not just the corporations could use that in ways we haven't even conceived of yet right um, when you're putting yourself out there like that ways that we haven't even thought of and the whole point was like i don't know like let's see where this leads it's, <laughs> it's interesting because The internet is still relatively like infant, especially Mm. with all the data stuff at this point with social Mm. media, so who the hell knows who's gonna come up with something weird that could actually turn into something as big
1: as the beta test. I feel like when we were all younger, I mean much younger, there was this idea of Hollywood being filled with people that had this image of being wealthy, successful, powerful. And as we get older, we realize that these are all the bad things to not aspire to necessarily. Uh, So I'm curious to know in terms of the character growth of Jordan Hines and where he starts at the beginning of this movie and where he ends up at the end of it all. uh, Can you just talk a bit about changes within the industry and how you tried to reflect that uh, within uh, Jordan's uh, character arc?
3: Yeah, I mean, we have him in a suit in every scene in the movie, basically, until the end when he's wearing a hoodie. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if Even when he goes to the mountains, he's wearing this kind of like uniform L.L. Bean stupid outfit. Um, and at the end of the film, he feels like he can shed that bullshit facade that is who he thinks he is right. or who he thinks he should be. Um, so we used that a lot. We used this guy as this visual metaphor for the industry changing and need needing to change. Um, and I think that's where it's going. I think really, like what you talk about there is the difference between independent film and studio filmmaking, where it is less admirable to have millions of dollars because most times you make bad stuff. Even Guillermo de Toro said that he was like, when I started making bigger budget movies, I realized that I was able to cut corners and not being forced to be creative in a way that Mm -hmm. making lower budget films allowed me to do. And Shape of Water was a complete change for him. It was like, cool, I'm gonna make this like couple of characters movie in this like cool world and really focus on the important stuff, cinematography Mm -hmm. and and performance and music and sound design. Um, So yeah, I I think really like- (laughs) And camera angles. And camera angles to quote Alan (laughs) Partridge. Uh, Yeah, I think I think really like the world is changing towards less sanitized content and that is only going to benefit independent filmmakers. Love it. Uh, You guys being independent filmmakers yourselves, I imagine there is a great
1: deal of pride that goes into every single one of the movies that you do, no matter the outcome, uh, because there is that personal attachment to it that you were kind of just mentioning there, where on a big budget production, uh, sometimes it can just be too overwhelming and things get lost and so on and so forth. So when you look at the final cut of the beta test and you see the version that has played for audiences, what has been the number one uh, most fulfilling
3: uh, aspect of it that you're taking away with you now? I mean, it's bad. It's selfish, but that it's working. Like the fact that, like, <laughs> yeah. people are laughing or like they're shocked. Like, the, to have Malin Barr get stabbed in the neck by her real life boyfriend, uh, Christian Hilberg, is such an incredible experience for us because we know that they are the loveliest Swedish people on the planet, <laughs> and they're faking this thing and it's working. And it's like all of the blood in that opening scene is CG. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, like like we weren't able to use any of the blood in the Airbnb that we were shooting in because oh, we were gonna mess wow, up their tiles. But all of it, like to, to sit in a cinema in Deauville and have these two French older women watch the movie and gasp as if it was a documentary that they were watching is just the most fulfilling experience for us. Like. The fact that it's working, people are laughing at it is just the best experience. I think
1: I remember yeah. telling you something similar uh, when I saw it at, uh, at Tribeca uh, a couple months ago, because uh, it was, you know, first time or one of the one of the few early times that I saw a movie with an audience. And, it, and I just think I said something to the effect of like, this was the perfect movie to see with an audience because <laughs> oh, they were yeah. gasping. They were at times, you know, shouting. uh
3: crying, <laughs> laughing. I mean, it, it had just such it, a range of emotions. That screening was unbelievable. Like it was all outdoors. It was like, it's, it's much less contained, but we watched the film at Fantastic Fest, which is like mm-hmm. a much more genre film festival. And so the audience is full of perverts. We're at like an Alamo draft house in <laughs> Austin, husband. And to, to watch the movie was to not be able to hear some of the dialogue because people were laughing the whole time. And it was like, this is the perfect audience, people that get the jokes. It's like they're cinephiles that are looking for things to like be confronted by, you know, like they're interested in being shocked by cinema. It was, it's unbelievable. I feel like it is the perfect crowd pleaser movie because PJ and I grew up on Reddit, you know, like we're trying to, we're trying to impress an audience. Mm -hmm. Right,
2: yeah, seeing it like, yeah, that's the most uh, satisfying thing is seeing people in the theater laughing, staying engaged till the end. I mean, also like the joke, the fact that jokes are working, obviously, but the fact that people are like actually care about the mystery thriller aspect of it, too, and like following it and actually getting it is just so satisfying because that was such a goofy Chinatown noir thing to write. And the fact that it works so well, (laughs) the comedic, ridiculous (laughs) arc of Jordan and everything he's going through. And the fact that everything came together and worked is just like we swung for the fences and we connected, and that's the greatest thing we could ever ask for. We're very. I loved. mean,
1: the the fact that uh, it ends the way that it does, I also think, is a satirical lull uh, type of moment there, that I I very sure. much enjoy. Good purple purple Good. invitation shows up at your doorstep, no strings attached. Are you doing it?
3: Um. No. And I've had those, <laughs> I, I've I've had those invitations before. It's never it's never analog. It's never mm-hmm. um, an envelope. But you get weird signals from people when you're out and about, um, even friends, admirers, people. It's strange. Um, but but that's just all these kind of bizarre power dynamics If you make something. You start to become a little famous. You get people who you'd never dream you'd be able to sleep with, and then they they're interested, and um, it's a wonderful compliment. But you have to find out ways to kind of block them on social media in the real world. And, um, it's, it it is a real thing that happens and, um, you know, we pivot. So the answer to me is, is no. I know PJ would do it in a heartbeat.
2: Yeah, well, for me, for me, I always stick to. What I say in the movie, like my wife would literally kill me, and she would find out. She's way too. And, I, and I, said, I would never killed, be stupid enough would, to she get would away. Kill from.
3: me just because I was somehow must have been involved or something. Yeah,
2: and she would kill Jim, assuming like he should have been looking out for me, and that's his fault. So we would both die.
1: I I, got to say, it's a really ingenious concept because I know personally for myself, I wouldn't do it. I'm probably too much of a chicken shit to do it. Uh, But at the same time, it's a really great escape for an audience to go down this journey of a path that they normally wouldn't go down and all the twists and turns that it takes as a result. So you guys uh, came up with a really, really fun concept for a movie with a journey that was worth taking with a character that is just a blast to watch. So I commend (laughs) both of you for giving us the beta test. Dude,
2: yeah, Matt, Hell thank man. you so
1: much, man. That means the world to us. That's really cool. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Take care both of you and have a nice rest of your day. Likewise. Thanks, I'll see you soon, brother. Thank All right. You. Take care. Thank you. See ya. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writers, directors, and stars of the new film, The Beta Test, Jim Cummings and PJ McCabe, here on the next Best Picture podcast. The Beta Test is currently playing in theaters from IFC Films and is also available to rent on Video On Demand.